So initially, the show was going to be about my righteous journey to my first Texas Pinball Festival. But then, earlier last week, at the This American Pinball Newsroom, Hello. What? It's canceled. Along with MGC. Mother of God. Oh. Uh, okay, wait. What about Expo? Well, thank God for that. Hey, what's going on? The virus is spreading. And pinball events are canceling left and right. And MGC? Gone. TPF? Gone too. Expo? <sighs> Maybe. Yeah, count us in. Of course I'm worried. But come hell or high water, we're attending. Here, look at this. Yeah. Yeah, look, I... I, uh... I gotta go. Are you kidding me? Is this accurate? Yes. Damn. I spoke to Dennis. And it's confirmed. <sighs> okay. Well, we'll call it off. Reschedule and... Hmm. Hope for Expo. I'll call Ken and let him know we're coming in October. What will we do till then? Just what they've suggested. Quarantine ourselves. At home, I guess. No way. I want to be in a place where I can smoke. Okay. And drink. Alright. We'll grab Dorothy, take the tap fan to Crystal's, grab supplies, see a virus, get Zach and Dennis, and go to the Winchester. Have a nice cold pint and wait for this whole thing to blow over. Yeah, boy! To the Tapmobile! Welcome to This American Pinball, where we talk to the owners, operators, and enthusiasts to tell the stories of your world under glass. So cancellations are in full force, and I and my family are in self-quarantine. No one is sick, but just keeping away from everyone is a precaution. With that said, reporting and data on the spread are concerning, to say the least. So, take care of you and yours. Alright, now on to pinball business. So as you've either read on the This American Pinball Facebook, or inferred in the preceding bit, I have rescheduled my affairs to attend the Pinball Expo in October of this year, providing the virus settles down enough to safely be there. Also... As you may have known, I was going to have a This American Pinball t-shirt to give away during TPF. And now that TPF isn't happening, I plan on selling those shirts to fund the purchase of... More shirts. You see, I had this idea. So, for the Pinball Expo... I plan on giving away a small amount of limited edition shirts with a special Halloween style This American Pinball design, which is already in the works. However, to qualify for this limited edition run, 
you have to either find me at the Pinball Expo wearing your This American Pinball shirt, or if you can't attend during the week of Expo, take a selfie wearing the official This American Pinball shirt and share your elite status as a tapper. Be sure to tag This American Pinball when you do. Now, I realize that October is a ways away, so there will be reminders of this campaign every other show until then. So, for the time being, if you want a t-shirt, just send me your size, large or extra large, to thisamericanpinball at gmail.com. From there, I'll get in touch with you and give you a link to my PayPal where we can finish the order. Uh, the price for any size shirt is $24 uh, with free shipping anywhere within the U.S. If you're an international listener, uh, just contact me and we can work something out. Now, I'll only be selling these until either A, we run out of shirts, or till the end of April, whichever comes first. So send your email today. All right, business over, on to the news. So as you've likely heard, American Pinball announced their latest pin, Hot Wheels. And I'm not at all excited about this one. Maybe if I were eight or nine, sure. But as an almost 40-year-old man, no. So American Pinball seems like they're in a slump. You know, their first pin was great, uh, with a great theme and one that was really well integrated. Oktoberfest... It sucked. Uh, the theme was mediocre uh, at best, and it was swarmed in controversy. Uh, and now we have Hot Wheels. You know, watching footage of the game, it looks okay. You know, you're battling monsters, collecting cars. They do have the nostalgic orange ramps. But still, the pin is based off of a YouTube series, Hot Wheels City. You may not be familiar with it, but your children might. It's a stop-motion show uh, about these guys in Hot Wheels and they're fighting monsters all over the Hot Wheels city. And eight-year-old me is like, Awesome! But then again, eight-year-old me isn't buying pinballs either. Dad, can I have a pinball machine? No. Aww. It's not Christmas. And even if it was, you're not getting a $5,000 pin unless Daddy really likes it. All of this makes me wonder what the hell is going through the design and development team's minds at American Pinball. I can imagine them as the two old men from the Muppets. Hey, so what pinball should we make next? I don't know. What are kids into today? Hot Wheels. I remember those when I was a kid back in 1968. Me too! <laughs> <laughs> it's possible the pin will blow away expectations and sell. And in my opinion, this one would do really well on location, where you had young kids wanting to play games. But... They'd have to battle the all-consuming redemption games or racing games. I mean, you know, what's a kid likely to choose? The Hot Wheels pinball machine or the Hot Wheels six-player arcade game? With that said, 
There's a ton of speculation as to why they unveiled the machine at an amusement expo coin-op trade show in New Orleans. And my guess is, since American pinball doesn't have such a strong hold on the pinball collector market, maybe they chose to unveil this machine at an amusement show as an attempt to garner sales to kid-friendly arcades and places like Dave & Buster's. That would certainly explain their choice in theme and the price reduction. So I'm calling it here first that American Pinball may be moving into a uh, building machines for the amusement market, which means that we may be likely to see more kid-friendly themes in the future. But you don't have to take my word for it. So give it a try, if you can get that heap to even start. Come on, you piece of junk! And now, a new segment to the show. I'm calling this Inside the Podcaster's Studio. And our first guest is none only than Dennis Creasel. You may know Dennis from his podcast, the Eclectic Gamers Podcast, as well as co-hosting duties on The Pinball Show, and previously, This Week in Pinball. Okay, Dennis, the first question I have for you is, how long have you been podcasting? Oh, a long time. A long time. I'm trying, to, I'm trying now to remember exactly when Tony and I started Eclectic Gamers Podcast, and I believe it was January, right at the end of January in 2016. So we've done over, yeah, we've done over three years at this point, four years at this point, I guess. So you've beat the metric. Oh, yes. Past what Zach has ever done. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I, I defined that metric, but it, it was built off of analysis, of course. Uh, very easy to burn out in a field where it's driven by hobby passion and not uh, dollars and cents. So there's not really a financial incentive. Most of the shows that I'm aware of that have sponsorships, the sponsorships are often in kind. Like here, have some lights or have some beer or have some shirts. And so you know, I guess you could resell some of that stuff. But so, but most podcasters are operating without any sort of fiscal benefit. Um, once you get the equipment, the, the costs are fairly low, of course, other than uh, your subscription to whatever podcasting hosting service you've chosen to run with. But all, almost all of those are sub $200 a year. Okay. Second question. What drew you, and uh, I guess Tony for that matter, to want to create your own show? Well, it's good that you mentioned Tony because that was his fault. That was not my idea. He had suggested at one point, this was after some point in 2015 is when I got into pinball more socially, or perhaps I should say competitively. I started going on location to play in tournaments. I had read about them in a newspaper article, and I thought, that, that sounds interesting. It's outside of my wheelhouse, but I had actually started owning pinball machines all the way back in 2012. So at that point, we, I went, I did a tournament, and then later, Tony and a couple other people we knew came along and we started to play in the tournaments regularly. And around this time, Tony had been listening to a lot of podcasts that were not pinball related, but he had suggested, you know, Dennis, we talk about pinball and video games and board games a lot. We could probably record this and there might be a few people that want to listen to it because I think the conversations are interesting. And I said, oh, well, that's an idea. 
And I didn't think much of it until I dropped my Sirius XM subscription and started listening to podcasts, which I had never heard before on my commutes because I was driving almost an hour one way to get to work. And so then I thought, you know what? Based off of the format I'm seeing, uh, I was trying – again, I hadn't really gone into pinball podcasts. It was other podcasts. It was like, okay, well – that's an idea. So let's see about doing it. So when we launched the show, we decided it would be a mix of gaming. That's why we called it Eclectic Gamers Podcast. And we decided we would do pinball as a segment and we'd have a video game segment and then we would have a tabletop board game segment. And that's kind of how we defined the concept. And that's how we ran that concept for the first year plus. And then I'd say maybe 15 months or so in, we went ahead and we ended the recurring tabletop gaming segment because the demarcation of duties for the show ended up being I would prep the pinball segment, Tony would prep the bird game segment, and we would both prep the video game segment. But it was difficult to keep doing that even in every other week's schedule because like if nothing was – like if Tony couldn't get to doing any of the tabletop stuff, I didn't have anything because I wasn't as involved in the hobby as he was. So at this point – He does most of the prep work on the video games, and I do most of the prep work on pinball, and so the workload is more equitably distributed, and it's easier for us to maintain. Huh. Well, you know, since you mentioned about prepping for the shows, you know, do you guys script out your episodes, or do you just have some, you know, note-taking, or do you just kind of throw caution to the wind and just sort of dive right in? Uh, We do behind-the-scenes notes, so not full scripts. Uh, though on occasion, if it's an in-depth segment, sometimes the notes will be extremely detailed, including quotes that are going to be used. And, uh, but normally the style that we take the approach with is a bullet point style notes, uh, with topical categories, key questions or key comments that we want to bring up, and also, uh, key elements to ask the other host if, in case we worry about forgetting them. Uh, we also have a section in our internal notes where, uh, links to related documents that we want to reference or online resources are provided because once I'm done editing the episode, I do the edits. Uh, I also built the show notes out. And so that link section allows me to give resources to the, to the listener so that they want to follow up on anything like the articles we're referring to. I like, I like us to cite our sources. And so we, we do that in our internal notes and then we know which ones to reference while we're recording. And then all of those appear in the actual official show notes that the listeners get when they download the podcast. You know, with all that prep work, you know, that tends to sort of put your mind at ease when you're going into a recording. Uh, So think back to your very first show. You know, did you find that you were nervous at all? Very nervous. It was, I mean, it's still out there. It was uh, very awkward if I think back. I I know a lot of people aren't really proud of their first episode, especially after they've done a podcast for over a year and they get more comfortable with it. It was the content I felt was really good. We prepped it really well and we actually recorded three episodes before we put any of them into iTunes or anything. So while they were online, they were not in any way promoted until episode three. But uh, our, our equipment was was very pedestrian at that point. I think we were both using uh, headsets with built-in microphones. Like I, I still listen through the same headset, some you know, like a Logitech headset that's tw- some twenty-dollar thing. But uh, so we didn't have the the condenser mics yet, and we were recording remotely, and we would just we were so worried about saying something that would get us in trouble <laughs> that. There wasn't as much personality to the show originally. It was much more fact-driven, 
and the opinions were hedged in a way that we were, you know, we didn't want to make a splash in a negative way. So I, at least for me, there was a big focus on trying not to say the wrong thing in a way that would offend and upset people. And as time went by, that became less of a concern. Uh, and part of that is that we think people who have listened long enough understand how our personalities are and can tell at this stage when we're making a joke versus when we're being serious. And also just getting more comfortable with the idea of it's okay to take criticism. So it's, you're not going to make everyone happy all the time. We've had listeners write in saying, Oh, Dennis, I completely disagreed with what you said on this, or I thought you were too harsh, or I thought you weren't harsh enough. That comes in too. And, and just getting used to that and having that part of, of everything be in the public eye. So now that we're more familiar with it, it's not, we're not, at least I'm not nervous when I record anymore, unless we're on a sensitive topic. And then that's where the editing comes in, because there have been topics where I have gone back through on that podcast and I've been like, this is going to be way too controversial. We are going to trim this up and make it, we still want to talk about it. We still want to be honest about it, but there's just some things that I think are just uh, too, too edgy for the, the tone of the podcast that we are going for. Yeah, I totally get that. The... You know, when you're first starting out, it's, you know, you're, you're totally new. So your audience doesn't quite, un, you know, they don't know your voice. So they don't know if you're being sarcastic or if you're presenting satire. So there's always that sort of um, balance that you're trying to do to, you know, be edgy and funny, but also not to offend. Uh, and it just takes a while, you know, for you to sort of get warmed up and, you know, your personality to kind of shine through. And eventually develop your own style or styles. For me, that's part of the fun with the podcast when I've been on a variety of shows. So, for example, as a, a number of pinball people or pinball people who are into podcasts know, I also co-host over with the pinball show. But I did for about a year a regular co-hosting over with This Week in Pinball podcast. My style on that show is different than my style on Eclectic Gamers. And that's by design. Right. But yeah. I mean, in very much just like TV and radio, uh, you know, you play characters, you know, or you just insinuate uh, certain aspects of your personality because, you know, they work better, whether it's for you know comic relief or the situation at hand. Yeah. I, uh, I guest hosted on another podcast at one stage. And I remember uh, as was normal for me when I was prepping for any sort of show, I would ask like, what do they want to do? Were there any particular topics or segments that they wanted to engage with so that I could prepare ahead of time and, and think ahead of time about how I would interact with the show? And I remember with one of them, I, I was doing that process and I said, okay, well, so what style do you want me to present myself in? And they said, oh, well, we want you to be you. And I said, well, they're, well, they're all me. They're just different. They're, ver they're different versions. I, you turn up and turn down certain things based off of the style of the show. I'm not, I mean, I could do one, I suppose, where I was like, I'm, I'm a pirate and I'm pretending to be a pirate. I mean, we could do that, but in the world of pinball podcasting, I assume they all still want them to be me, but it's like with Zach, it's going to be contrarian. That's the style, Zach Mini. That's what he wants is he wants it to be a conflict. He wants there to be, so, you know, he's the devil's advocate and he wants someone to push back against him. And that's why I ended up doing TWIP podcast so much was I think a lot of the other guests that they had is some of this just I don't think was ever flat out said, but there's a natural, I think, 
uh, tendency in the human condition when you don't know someone well, and especially when you're doing it through audio. So it's like a phone call and you can't read the body language and someone says something and you don't agree with it, but you don't want to fight. So they try and smooth it out. And I remember I was hearing those early episodes and I was like, that is not what this needs. Zach needs someone to fight him because he's wrong. And who, if you believe that he's wrong, you need to say that. And at, at worst, you just get something entertaining and someone will disagree with you. And at best, you'll be right, which of course I am. And Zach would be wrong, which of course he is. And so that's what, uh, the, why I think the response to that show while we were doing it was so positive was, I, even from the first episode I was on, didn't have a problem pushing back against Zach. Whereas with Tony on Eclectic Gamers, he and I see pinball, for example, in a very similar lens. So there's not that same level of conflict. Our disagreements are much more minute and they don't come across in the same way because we are not playing off each other in a contrarian role. Mm. Mm-hmm. So before you had mentioned uh, in terms of equipment that... When you guys started, you were using a headset mic, but you've now upgraded to condenser microphones. Mm-hmm. So what kind of equipment are you using to record your podcast? Yes, yes. So I still use a Logitech, uh, Logitech headset. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the model number is. I don't recall right now. Uh, that is a, just a simple Logitech USB headset that I do to listen to the audio while I'm recording. And I use a Blue Yeti for uh, a USB, it's a USB condenser microphone to do the recording. Now on Eclectic Gamers podcast, most of the time, Tony and I record in the same room. So the way we do it is we both have USB condenser microphones. He has a blue snowball, which is probably the most popular, I'd say USB microphone that podcasters are using, at least in pinball that I know of, because it's affordable and has good sound quality. So the way we do it is I use a virtual mixing board card called voice meter. And so that allows us to plug two microphones into the same computer and get those. Le- I can adjust the levels. We get the gains balanced out and he doesn't have to sit near my microphone and I don't have to be near him. We sit across a table from each other. We don't use headsets when we record. I get the levels balanced visually on the meter. And then I know I can always standardize the volumes after the fact, as long as I get them in as I'm recording through the mixing board. So I'm getting it all in as one track. So it's critical that I get the balance right between us initially, but then I can standardize the volume when, when I do the final export and I do my edits in audacity. Yeah. Audacity is pretty popular. The, uh, it kind of surprises me a little bit because there are better tools out there. Uh, but I, you know, with like you'd mentioned before, with most podcasters, you know, that are hobby based aren't getting paid. And so, you know, a free resource such as Audacity has, you know, major appeal. If you would like to know a super dark, evil secret, I hate to break up, bring up Zach Mini again, but he actually does not use proper audio editing software to put the podcasts together. Yeah, I think he mentioned something about using iMovie or Final Cut or something to that effect. Okay. Yeah, if you've heard his work, you must know. Yeah, I know he was learning um, After Effects and maybe even Premiere Pro. Uh, But if he's got access to the Adobe Suite, you know, they should have access to Adobe Audition. So, Zach, if you're listening and you want to know anything about Audition... 
uh, give me a call. I know that program almost as well as I know Pro Tools. All right, enough about Zach. Let's get back to Dennis. Now, I'm going to ask you 10 questions so that me and my listeners can ascertain the most intimate details of what is Dennis Greasel. These questions originated by French TV personality Bernard Pivot and then was made famous inside the actor's studio with James Lipton. And now we'll come a part of This American Pinball. So, Dennis Creasel, the first question is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yes. Hmm. I've never thought about having a, having a favorite word, but I guess it would probably be reckon. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Slush. What turns you on? Hmm. I'm trying to think of the, the context to, to answer that in. It doesn't have to be sexual. No, no, no. Yeah, but I, I was actually thinking in an auditory fashion. And so I was trying to think of like uh, music or something that I wanted to, but I like, uh, I just, again, these, I just don't think about these things in this way. How, inter- how interesting. Um, uh, something new. All right. What turns you off? boredom what sound or noise do you love Uh, lit spinner okay what sound or noise do you hate any high-pitched ringing what's your favorite curse word my favorite i'm wondering i should i define that by the one i use the most or the one that i think is the most clever hmm i mean the one i say the most is probably motherfucker (laughs) what profession other than your own would you like to attempt i think i would have been a good scientist what profession would you like not to do um plumbing all right and finally if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive you did all right all right that's it oh I wish I had prepped. I could have had better prepared answers. Yeah, I think this is one of those questionnaires that's probably best off the cuff. Yeah, that's true. But some they're so broad. There's so many things. Like I could have had a lot those like a lot better sounds that I don't like. Could have been just like the high pitched ringing that I've been hearing all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Dennis. Well, thank you for coming on, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, no, I'll get back to answering my uh, work emails I let pile up now, but I, hopefully they're not too bad now that it's Friday, which is what I was hoping for. Yeah, I don't know. And that wraps up our show for today. So I want to send a special thank you to Dennis Creasel and Zach Minnie, who wasn't in the show, but was definitely on the receiving end of some good-natured ribbing. Uh, As for me, like I said, we're here in self-quarantine, and I'm going to be trying to crank out as many of these as I can, because I figure this downtime is going on, and people are worried about their friends, their families, and even their own well-being. Uh, The least I can do is try to provide you with some entertainment to help pass the time and maybe even get a laugh or two. 
Uh, if you haven't already, go to the Pinball Network and check out my other podcast, Silverball Stories. It's a really good uh, audio experience. It's basically kind of like a, a chapter in an audio book where I've got voiceover, sound effects, lots of acting uh, to tell a specific pinball-related story. And if you're looking for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of escapism, uh, it's a good one to, to get into. Uh, as for us, if you want to reach out and contact us, whether it be for the shirt, to leave a comment or suggestion, uh, of course, you can always reach me on Facebook at This American Pinball or email me at thisamericanpinball at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening and stay safe out there. This is Josh signing off.